Hello there. Welcome to the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is a chance for pastors and members of Christ Covenant to process the sermon, ask questions to the preacher, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you have a question for the Sermon Talkback, please text it to the Text to Pastor line at 678-951-9041, or you can ask through Twitter by tweeting to Jason directly at Jason Edwin Dees. Enjoy. Well, we've got a very interesting thing to talk about today. Um, yesterday, of course, if you were with us, we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we talked about this big Christian idea, which is really so much of the Christian life. I felt rushed even in the sermon because there's, there's really so much to talk about when thinking about sanctification. But we uh, talked about this idea of sanctification or the process of being made holy. And I'm joined by three of the greats of Christ's covenant, uh, Christ's covenant's best member, my wife, Paige Dees. <laughs> um, we're also joined by elder and founding member, Jason Byers. Mm. And actually, we have a non-Christ covenant person here. I said three of the greats, but... Um, you know, one of my best friends in the whole world, Brian Waits, just popped in. He wasn't here uh, for the sermon yesterday, but uh, Waits, you know what? This is something that is Christian sanctification we all think about. And so even though you weren't here to listen to this sermon, um, I think joining us for a conversation on sanctification is appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really glad you're here, man. All right. Well, first of all, just impressions from the sermon. Uh, yes. So, you know, one of the things that stood out to me right away is um, the quote that you said about when a spirit-filled heart is interacting with the Word of God, with the people of God, and with the mission of God, then their heart is able to see the beauty of God and is thereby conformed to His image. I just, I love that. That resonated with me because I think that I mean, I, I, I just agree. You know, when when you have a spirit-filled heart, you just love those things. Yeah. You love the church. You love serving the mission. You love the people of, of God. And, um, and so, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed that. Well, yeah. And uh, I think, yeah, for me, I mean, I think that's one of the things that I think about a lot, and I think a lot of Christians think about a lot, <clears throat> is the process of sanctification, the interplay between that and I guess, regeneration or receiving the Spirit of God in our lives. So obviously, this, this, we believe this enormous thing that um, the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit of God in the heart and life of a Christian, it's an amazing thing to believe. However, that Spirit living within us doesn't produce instantaneous sanctification, right? Mm -hmm. There's still a process of sanctification that involves interacting with the Word of God, the people of God, and the mission of God that allows us uh, to see the beauty of God and therefore, and therefore, as the text says, to be conformed from one degree of glory to the next. Well, and the reason I think I enjoyed it so much is because you talk about a lot of times in your sermon, a lot of times in your sermons, you talk about seeing the beauty of God. And at times that kind of frustrates me a little bit because I'm like, what does that mean? What does that mean? What's the tangible things of seeing yeah, the beauty yeah. of God? And I felt like this really encapsulate yeah. that in the sense of What does like, it mean to see God? Yeah, what does it mean yeah. to see the beauty of God? I mean, I'm not standing at the Grand Canyon every single day and, and being inspired by the beauty of God. 
And I think for me, it just became clear, like, oh, I am seeing the beauty of God every day when I am serving and loving my people. Right. When I'm, you know, when I'm or in God's Or even yesterday word. in baptism, you know, yeah. I tried to make that clear, like, this is, we're part of this is seeing God's work of of, of salvation, of redemption. And so, right. Yeah. And so it also just makes me think, you know, what am I doing to constantly put myself in positions to be able to see the beauty of God? Am I going to church on a regular mm -hmm. basis? Am I doing things to serve the, the people of God? Because when I do those things, that's when I see the beauty oh, of and, God. And, yeah. And something I said in the sermon yesterday too, is like, so for example, like when you're reading your Bible and, and not every time you're reading your Bible, will you feel this like deep conviction or deep encouragement? But when you do, mm -hmm. that I think is your heart beholding the beauty of God and being conformed mm -hmm. into his image. Yeah, that's Jason, good. what about you? Yeah, you, your the impressions. That, the thing that stuck with me, I think dovetails a bit with what you talked about in last week's sermon regarding justification. That we're all seeking, we're all in some sense following some code. We're all seeking yeah. to justify ourselves. And I think I heard yesterday a teaching around uh, Paul's explanation of the role of the law in our lives in a in a very new way, I think, and with as much study as I've done of this part of Paul's writing, um, I've always understood him to say that the law's role in our lives was to make clear to us when we go wrong, right? We do something wrong, and we the law tells us, hey, this is wrong. But what I heard you teach yesterday, and, and in reading the text, I think it, it jumps out as, clear to me now and never understood it in this way is that even if we manage to white knuckle it and live in a way that conforms with the law perfectly with the law that in and of itself the fact that we have to work and try to conform to the law that conformity to the law doesn't just come naturally to us that in and of itself is an evidence that we are not righteous it's right? proving the effort proves that we aren't really righteous yeah exactly yeah. and 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 all the more reason why, even if we can conform to the law, we still need the grace uh, of yeah, God that's right. to be deemed righteous. Yeah, there's this old like quote in England that I've heard that says, no man has honor with his valet. Uh, <laughs> and basically what, it, you know, what it's saying is like these, these great men of England that uh, you know, are doing these wonderful things that everybody respects, that have these great families and that are running this great business, the valet sees them, you know, sees who they really are. Yeah. And, and, and maybe that's a little bit of what you're saying. Like, even if everything on the outside looks great, uh, you know, but even if you can prove to the valet that you're righteous, even if like everybody thinks you have high character, even our effort toward righteousness that go, that, that when it doesn't come easy, when it's not natural, again, when we're not free, Mm -hmm. the, the free heart is the righteous heart, that it's doing what it wants because it wants to do what it ought. Yeah, absent that, all of our striving amounts to like will worship, right? Yeah. We worship our own will to do what's, done, what's right. But the fact is, no amount of willpower can guard against the unguarded moment. That's right. Even if by some miracle we could live according, in conformity with the law. You know, we're all of us will have an unguarded moment where we say the wrong thing or we just slip up. No right. amount of willpower can guard against those and, little moments in our lives that and, inevitably happen. And that's why Paul says in Romans one that the wrath of God is rightly being revealed against exactly. all unrighteousness because even those that don't have the law, they really have the law. Yes. And but the law when the law comes, it just shows how powerless we really we really are. Yeah. 
What about questions? Paige, you, um, you have any questions? Yeah, you know, you, you brought up very at the very beginning about how justification is the prerequisite of salvation. And, I, you know, that kind of came to mind. I am not this person, but there's a lot of these people out there that are just they just obey the law they're just really good at doing good and um and you know i just think about you know a lot of people have been raised to like the do these good things do these good laws obey these commandments and you get in and so my question is is like what would be your feedback on the person that's been raised that way and i would say you know you say you're not that way and I'm not that way in a sense of like, uh, you know, neither of us are like really good rule followers, maybe mm -hmm. especially me. Um, but, um, I would just say we all tend toward codes, right? And so some people tend toward the actual code of doing the right thing of following this set of rules. You know, for some people it could be like manners, having good manners. That's part of the code or, or presenting yourself in a particular way. But we, we all have some sort of code. For, for people that aren't rule followers, they actually may take pride in their not following the rules and doing it their own way. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it is just this like, people have this, per, this idea that I am justifying myself, I am showing my greatness, I am showing how worthy I am by how obedient, by how uh, you know, by how cool, by how whatever I am to this to this code, how much I'm living up to this code. It's the it's the rich young ruler, right? Is I, I do all of yeah, these I've things. What's the one more thing that mm -hmm. I can do? Right. That will get me. Yeah, I'm just going to show gate. you how yeah. righteous I am. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I think we all have that you know kind of posture, um, and it you know it may not be your code. It may not be the same as your code, or it may not be the same as your parents' code. Right. Um, we rebel against our parents' code with another code. Um, but I think, you know, really what we talked about last week, like all of those codes, uh, we fall short of God's glory. All of those codes, we don't actually live up to them. They all fall short of being something that lasts and it, it just proves how deeply we need a savior. And, uh, the amazing thing is, is that God has provided such a savior in Jesus who, to what we were saying earlier, Jason, was righteous. Mm -hmm. It's not that he just fulfilled the law. He, he actually fulfilled the he law. He did more than not doing anything wrong. That's right. right. Yeah. He only ever wanted to do what God wanted him to do. Yeah. And that is powerful. And that is righteousness. And then, uh, of course, we're justified because our sin was applied to him. His righteousness is applied to us. And then what we talked about yesterday, the big question then becomes, okay, well, if I have perfect righteousness, then why should I do anything? Right. Why should I be motivated? Which I think kind of gets to uh, our special guest, Brian Waits' question uh, you had mentioned to me earlier. Yeah, yeah so thank you. Um, so, you know, just hearing about this, I guess my question would be, you know, how do we, how do we rest in our justification, um, but it's still applying works to our, our life? Because just personally, kind of tell you where I was. I was, you know, a Christian early on, wanted to do all these things for the Lord, realized I was doing it for myself and not for him. Uh, but now on the other end of the spectrum, I feel like I've rested in my justification. And then the Holy Spirit convicted me just the other day. I was like, man, you don't have a ministry. We haven't spent time together. So my, my question would be, like, where, where do the works come in for the sake of the kingdom? 
You know, Waits, I, I actually see your story a lot. I mean, and have experienced it myself, this, this, even just the effects of like understanding theology, right? And so when, you know, as you say, like, and I was the same way, I, I, there was certainly pride and self-righteousness in my, like, I haven't missed a quiet time in 184 days. And, you know, I have gone to, you know, this many church things and done this, and I've, I'm killing this sin in my life right now or whatever else. And then you really start to understand justifying faith, like you say, and you say, oh man, I can actually rest. Actually, God's goal for me is to be free. And so I'm just gonna be free, right? So when, you know, when does what, and I love um, uh, how Carson, uh, D.A. Carson's description of this, when does grace-driven effort kick in? And, you know, I love, Carson's got this famous quote that says, people don't drift toward holiness apart from grace-driven effort, right? And it's the same thing is true. So I, I'll just use my relationship with Paige as an example. I'm assured of my love from Paige. I'm not trying to win her. We actually are married. We are in a covenant. But marriage still requires actual effort. And it is those actual efforts that makes the relationship sweeter. And so because I love her, not to win her love, um, and not even necessarily to prove my love, but just because I love her and because she loves me, and because I see the fruit of effort in marriage, we discipline ourselves to do things like have a day date, have a weekly day date, where we go through our calendar, or we talk, or we discipline ourselves. Like we just got away this weekend; it was fantastic. Yes, it was. But it, it was a discipline because you know you mm -hmm. have to do something with the a lot kids. Of work. Yeah, you, a you, lot you of know, work. and everything else. You can't just slip away, and it's hard to get away. But we're disciplining ourselves to do these things because they are fruitful, and because we do love each other. And I think that's a pretty good paradigm for the Christian life. Like, yes, you're free in Christ. Yes, you're accepted in Christ. Uh, you stand before God just as if you'd never sinned with the full righteousness of Christ. But because you recognize the fruitfulness of God's order and of God's way and of God's mission and of God's people, the spirit-filled life within you is pursuing those things, and God actually will produce fruit through those things. As you're mortifying sin, as you're putting sin to death, there's fruit from that. As you're uh, pursuing the mission of God and, and using the gifts that God has given you, there's fruit that comes uh, from that. And it's evidence of your heart that's in a real relationship with God. And I don't know. Any, Jason, I know you think about these things a lot. I don't know anything you may want to add to that. Yeah, I mean, along those same that same vein, this maybe relates to the question that I have is from the sermon. In leading our men's group and, and other groups, we, we, um, we inevitably run into the question then, well, if, if there's effort involved, and you use a great metaphor of your marriage to Paige, and, and we obviously want to rest in our own justification, but if there's effort involved, uh, I get the metaphor of marriage and how effort is involved to you know, keep a marriage healthy and do the right thing then what does that look like? What does that effort as a practical matter look like in the life of a disciple of Jesus, right? You, I think you, t time constraints being what they are in the sermon. Um, yeah, I know. just, I gave like a, a couple little things. Like I said, you know, some of yeah. you are going to church, but some of you are going to church and you're hearing the voice yeah, of God. Yeah. That's evidence of the Spirit's working life. But that's a discipline, mm -hmm. gathering together with other believers. Uh, another discipline, I talk about reading your Bible really seeking God and his word. Um, uh, what was the third? Oh, gathering with other believers in like a small group or something like, um, you know, the, the discipline of communion with other believers. And there's other disciplines too, 
um, means that the Lord himself has actually given us in his word right. that that are means by which we can know him, means by which we can pursue. Even the sacraments, taking the Lord's Supper, uh, observing baptism. These are ways that a spirit-filled heart actually beholds the glory of God and is thus conformed to his image. So I would say it's not the disciplines that Right. Um, that say that, that that sanctify us. It's the disciplines that put us in the environment whereby we can actually see the power and the goodness and the beauty of God. To your point earlier, Paige, and it's when we see that that we are changed. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think it was Foster who said, Richard Foster said, in practicing the discipline, the disciplines do not impart sanctification upon us. But you made echoes of this yesterday too. That. What the disciplines do is they put us in a posture of vulnerability so that not only that we can see the beauty of God, but that the Holy Spirit then can work, right? do his work in us. That's right. Right. He doesn't need us to be this way in order to work in us, but this is part of our effort that we can contribute to the process is that we place ourselves in a posture of vulnerability to the Lord so that he can then work to conform us to Jesus' image. That's good because, you know, you think about it. If you get busy throughout the day, you a lot of times ignore and don't hear Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so it's when you have those disciplines to stop, slow down, listen to what the Holy Spirit's telling you, not quenching the Holy Spirit. That's really what leads your whole day to be able to be obedient to him and see his beauty throughout the whole day. Yeah. When I was in college, uh, and I actually thought about using this uh, illustration yesterday. When I was in college, uh, I was talking to a guy, and he was encouraging me against drunkenness, you know. And, was, it, uh, was it Brian Waits? I mean, <laughs> Waits, Waits may have been there. Waits may have been there. Yes. Let's say it was Waits. No, it's it, all full circle now. It, it was an older guy, which actually it could have been Brian Waits. So. It was Brian. Uh, but anyway, no, it, it was a guy, uh, and he was encouraging me against drunkenness, and he said, Jason, here's the deal. He said, the thing about drunkenness is it's not so much being drunk that's so bad. It's what you do when you're drunk that's so bad. <laughs> and he's like, you know, when you're drunk, you're, you're, you're more liable. Anger produces in you uh, fighting and violence, and you're, you're, you're much more likely to do something you regret. Or, you know, you know, it's not that lust exists in your heart, but if you're drunk, then that lust manifests itself in really, really bad ways. So... And I, I kind of think of it as probably a horrible analogy, but it does. I do feel like I have a little license to use it since Paul equates drunkenness and the Holy Spirit in Ephesians five. Um, but I think it's 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 this when the Spirit is working in us when we are in these disciplines, like when we're in a church service and we're in the uh, Bible study with other people, or we're fasting, or we're deep in prayer. It's it's not so much those things that are actually shaping and, and changing. It's but it's it's when we're in that environment that the Spirit can really do His work on our hearts and conform us to the image of Christ. It, it reminds me even more, conveniently enough, our men's group is reading Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship right mm. now. And so it does, there echoes throughout this whole sermon of this idea of cheap versus costly grace. Yeah. That grace, yes, indeed, grace is free. It is the free gift of God, right? And we receive it um, uh, very gratefully. But at the same time, it's not free. Hmm. There is something, we have a responsibility in the receipt of that grace. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the, the lyric, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Yeah. And it's probably a good way to close. Waits, thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. 
For Brian Waits, Jason Byers, Paige Dees, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening.